constituents. She said my nephew's uh, doing all right in basic training. So he's in good hands. Yeah. Uh, they'll meet his needs and then from. Yeah. Uh, been there and done that. Not Marines, but but he he's he's got he's got the best picture he's gonna get. He got he, he, he's gonna get the best food. He's gonna get the best. Uh, clothes, he's going to get a bed, little bed to sleep in. He's going to have, if he gets hurt, he's going to have the <laughs> medical uh, treatment that, that our tax dollars can provide. And they're going to try to keep him healthy, well, so that he can go to his unit and become one of those guys so that we can sleep in. So, um, he, he, he's in a great spot. He might not like it, but he will when he gets through. I was telling Joy because Dad was in the Marines. Yeah. He went to Paris Island. I could have sworn he told me that they called the ones, you know, because if you're on this side of Mississippi, you go to Paris Island. On the other side, you go to Camp Pendleton. Right. Called them Hollywood Marines. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that, there's a lot of, of back that goes back. I, I can remember as a child, you know, uh, we living in the South, with my dad being in the Air Force. You know, Mama would listen to the radio in the morning as we were getting ready to go to school. And uh, uh, the announcer, I think we were living in Georgia at the time, he said, he said, if you have a, a child or a husband in the military, pray for them. Wish him well. He says, you got a child at Paris Island, hit your knees and ask God to protect you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, it was, I remember that every morning, but anyway, uh, um, there, and there's a lot of banner between the services. I'm not going to take that right here, but, I mean, we have, a, I, guess I can get by saying things that other people cannot because have the service, yeah. Yeah, well, no, Camp Pendleton's the west coast of right. Marines and so forth, so Marines and the picking at Marines. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I, I know, it, it happens, it happens in Army. Every every little branch uh, or every MOS has a little little thing that they take to the others, you know. So um, anyway, so any other prayer request? Uh, if not, we'll open in prayer and we will we will get started. Uh, this decision is deep theologically. It is deep. Uh, there's a lot of plowing and, and we can drill for hours and so uh, we're just going to see where the Lord leads us. So let's go to the Lord for it. Let's go to the Lord God. We love you and thank you for this day. Where we ask you to uh, be with those that are, the families that are going to be grieving and they are grieving uh, over those that lost their lives in that tractor trailer. And hey, Lord, we ask you to shine a light on those who are who are away from that, but are the ones who are instigating that. Or we just ask you if you bring a lot of evil to light that you've been doing. Or we ask you to be with uh, those that were mentioned tonight as the same family. And uh, or we just lift them up to you as they, uh, as they prepare to deal with in the life issues with them up. Uh, or we thank you for the rain. It was well needed. We thank you for your, for your provision uh, with the vegetables and, and all that you do, uh, the camaraderie that we have. Lord, we just, we just thank you for that. We thank you for the fellowship. Lord, we ask you to open 
this word tonight so that we can glean what you would have us to glean and we can understand the fullness of these scriptures and walk them out into a dark world where we just love you. Uh, those that are traveling for the fourth Lord, we lift up with uh, traveling mercy. Those that are here for the fourth Lord, we just lift them up so they be safe uh, during this holiday that we have where we celebrate our country's independence, uh, Lord, and your shining provision setting this up as the uh, great city on the hill in the world where we just love you. Uh, may our our light always shine, and may no one put a basket over the top of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, so we, we got, we were in verses 1 and 2. Uh, we kind of skipped the 3 and 4 and back. Uh, and so uh, we're going to pick up right where we kind of left off. You know, uh, uh, who now, you know, it says, who now works in the stones of disobedience? I'm going to back up and read the first four verses again. It says, uh, in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, it says, And you, he made alive, who were dead, and trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature pure <coughs> people. <coughs> And we're by nature children of the wrath. And just as the other. But God, who is rich in mercy, uh, because of his great love with which he loved uh, uh, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive through Christ, or made us alive together with Christ. Uh, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Exactly, I went to verse 6, so we'll stop right there. We'll back back up. Right, so we discussed verse, pretty much for verses 1 and 2, and so we got to where we once walked. Uh, we came down, and you know, that we once walked means that, uh, uh, that it should be uh, different for those who were made alive in Jesus Christ, you know, uh, a dead man and feels comfortable in his coffin. We talked about that. Uh, and it says, now he works in the sons of disobedience. In sin, we respond to Satan's God. Uh, and the same ancient Greek word used in Ephesians 2 2 for the work of Satan and unbelievers is used in Ephesians 3 20 for the power of God that works in believers. It, it's the same, the same word described as uh, the prince of the power of the earth. This unique title of Satan speaks of his authority. Here. Prince and his reign. The heir it is, is a way of referring to Satan's environment. Um, and so uh, the domain of the heir, in fact, is another way of indicating the heavenly realm, which, according to Ephesians 6 12, is the abode of those principalities and powers, world rulers of the darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness against which the people of Christ wait for go ahead. The first heaven. And this, sometimes you hear the third right. heaven, right? So they distinguish and, and uh, I'm just gonna throw a little revisit the history a little bit. Uh, Paul I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh you're good, you're good. Paul is 
placed all things under the feet and appointed Christ, basically, to be head over everything for the church, which is the body. And so, so now, in the first part of Ephesians, he's defending this. And remember, the doctrine of election was in that first chapter, and, and now he's coming to. And, and this is the this is the Eucharistic uh, veil cycles, and the Song of the Sea, which is the Song of Moses in uh, Exodus 15. These are all the the, the ancient way of making a claim first and then defending it second. And so we're right in the defense. Mm -hmm. I just want to read this a little bit. We're in the defense, and this defense is huge. There's a lot of material. And, and, and Pratt says that Satan is not the ultimate ruler, but he's a prince in the sense that evil men set him up for their father and are holy at his back and obedient. So think about that. You know, the things that we see, the evil that we see men doing today, you know, they have set Satan up with their father. That's who, that's who they work with. And they have his back. And do it out front of us. Yeah, but right now, you know, used to be, used to be it was hidden. Right now, it's so out in front of everything that got going on. Uh, and, and it's because I believe Satan knows that his days are numbered. In a recent victory right. uh, that Christians have had, right. there is now coming out a a, uh, a, a equal and opposite uh, reaction to this. Right. So now Paul in his defense here is saying that Christ has taken over this prince of the air. Right. He has no power over us. Right. He's going to go into that a little more deeper, but he has no power. Right. No power. And this is, this is one of those Our children, we don't have to teach our children how to be selfish. 
We have to teach them how to share. We don't have to teach our children how to be bad. We have to teach our children how to be good. You know, we, we don't have to teach our children how to, not to hit people. We, we don't have to teach them to hit people. They don't have to do that. We have to teach them not to. Restraint. See, all that comes natural to us. You know, I want something. Hey, and we have to, no, you can't do that. You know, um, and that's, that's, that's what they're talking about here. By our flesh. We, you know, we were, per, we were perverting a little, uh, of a legitimate desire of human nature. Most of us long to be good, and if you talk to people, well, I'm a good person. I haven't done this, I haven't done that. Well, maybe so, but you haven't accepted Christ, and there's still a lot, of, a lot of stuff that you have done, that we all have done, that we need to ask God for. He has already forgiven us. We have to accept that forgiveness, come to the place for repentance, to receive that. Once you receive that, does that mean you're not going to do it anymore? Probably not. That means you got you know not to, that it's not right. You know when you do something wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts you. You know, when you think it's that little thing going on in your stomach, that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you repent. You're not here today. That's right. Uh, the converts uh, are to be re reminded uh, that they have been delivered from as well as what they have been lifted into. Uh, they must be led to look down again into the pit, into the grave from which grace called them out of and set free. Think about that. You know, we've been called out of the grave. We were dead. Dead in trespasses. We were like that movie. Dead man walking. That's what we were. We were all headed to hell. And, and we got called out. We repented, you know, um, for whatever reason, we, we responded to the gospel that we heard. We responded. And so, by His grace and His mercy and His love for us, we, we've been saved. Uh, and see, we, uh, and we're by, we were by nature children of wrath. I mean, think about this. You, you get in an argument with somebody, or somebody hurts your feelings, then what do you want to do? You want them to hurt as bad or as not worse than you do. You know, that's what we do. Well, I have a right to do this because they did this to me or they did this to me. I have a right. No, we don't. You know, it, it, it's, uh, it's a perversion of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Don't say two wrongs don't make a right. You know, at some point in time, it's got to stop. And uh, but we in our flesh and being children of wrath, uh, we rightfully we rightfully deserve God's wrath and deserved it because we were uh, because of our heritage. We were born with a sin nature, and then we acted upon that sin nature. We lived our lives like there was no consequences for our actions. And there might not have been any, well, we might have recognized some earthly consequences if we got speeding tickets and things like that. But we didn't realize that there were any eternal consequences. And if we did, we sure didn't want to recognize them. We didn't want to talk about them. And now we know what Christians sitting on this side of salvation, you know, there's eternal consequences for everything that we do. And so that's where he's going here with this. You know, we were, we were then delivered from that. We're no longer uh, slaves to sin. Uh, you know, our desire was to carry out the desires of our mind 
And think about all the desires of our mind. We can come up with some wild stuff. I mean, we, God gave us a great imagination, and sometimes it's not really great, uh, some of the things that we come up with. Uh, and a lot of the perversion in the world just goes to kill us. And so uh, we followed our thoughts of our mind. Uh, we were, uh, we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Our, our destination was wrath along with many others. Remember Jesus said, uh, you know, the path to destruction is wide, but narrow is the way. I mean, we were out there, we were, we were on a super highway. Okay, you know, the, reminds me of the ATDC on highway to That's where we were headed. And it's no wonder Isaiah, again, says, uh, make, make uh, straight the highway in the desert than before Jesus came. And, I mean, uh, make, okay, a little bit. I want to add into this. There's a section in here that is hidden, and Brown brought it out the other day. Uh, it, as, you, as it talks to you who were dead in your transgressions, and he shifts the sins. It's interesting. Transgression, sins. Uh, Jews, Gentiles. This is the age of Artemis, uh, Diana, the, and 50 other uh, words. It says, and it comes down to verse 3. It says, all of us. So now he turns to both Jews and Gentiles. So he's beginning to lay the groundwork for unity, ratifying the, the cravings of our sinful nature and following our desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature the objects of wrath. Interesting. God's wrath to, to the Jews. To the Jews. But because of his great love, he was rich in mercy and made us, all of us, alive. So he shifts between the, the singular and plural here in multiple places that you like me, I can't, but if you follow, it goes back and forth a little bit. He's beginning to lay this groundwork, which will come up later. Uh, this first part is kind of uh, making an argument in almost a spiritual sense. It, as they said, it was a continuation of a continuation of praise and worship from the first chapter. No, it's actually an argument set up for the second half of I think, uh, uh, and when we get down into it, he begins to tie it together a little bit. And when we started in verse 4, we pretty much cleared up verse 3 verse. Uh, you know, uh, the process of personal reconciliation to God. Um, God's motive in reconciliation, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us. You know, God in his rich mercy, God reveals that the riches of his glory to both Jews and Gentiles and Romans, we talked about it. Uh, the riches of his mercy are both, are both, are for both Jews and Gentiles. In Romans 10, the other one's Romans 9. Uh, the riches of his mercy provided forgiveness for sin. Of course, that's Ephesians 1 7, we've already talked about last week or the week before, uh, the riches of his mercy, uh, the riches of his mercy caused him to give us a ministry, Ephesians 3.8, we got that yet. 
each one of us are given an interest. And uh, we talked a little bit about it in, in, in Colossians and some of the others, what our, what our ministry is. Uh, God also has also loved us with a great love. The love was so great that God gave his son for us. And, you know, when you put it at that in the context and the reconciliation, if I was the only person alive on this earth at this time, Jesus would have still gone to the cross. Isn't that amazing? died for my sins. I own him. Uh, and so it says, but God, because of his great love, uh, with but and because, Paul explained God's reason behind reconciling man to himself. Uh, and these reasons uh, are found totally in God. The reasons are his rich mercy and his great love, which he focuses on us. His creation. You know, as they were corrupt in their nature and sinful in their practice, they could possess no merit, nor have any claim upon God, and it required much mercy to remove so much misery and pardon the transgression. We have nothing we could have done to murder. It's His mercy. And his work. Okay. Interestingly enough, every year of his work is yep. it's, it's said in Genesis, uh, it was uh, very good when he made man. And so he made man, but see, we miss, we miss sometimes, um, uh, at least I do, um, when it comes down to the point that he, God, did an irreversible thing. He became man in history. Mankind, 2,000 some years ago, he became man, irreversibly became man. He is continually now for eternity, fully man and fully God is a a a t to, a tozer anyway. I think it was first initials. The tozer says he was fully man and fully God. And as fully man, he was will go without sin. That's the difference. He was without sin. And so he has a claim here. He has won a battle. No, none of us have ever won. So we have no works to show that we have any equality with Christ. But yet, 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 this rich and mercy, we're in Christ. Look at the in Christ in this. All of Ephesians is all yeah, it, 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 in Christ. So he's taking us in. So it becomes predestination a big, difficult thing to understand. What do you mean predestination? But we keep up. We're not going to go there except that it's, we, it's God's. He knows that. Right. Well, you know, that's it, right. We might imagine a God with rich mercy and great love who did not focus that mercy and love upon us, but Behind the good news of God's salvation offered in Jesus uh, is the fact that this mercy and love is sinless. Can't do it without Jesus. That, that's the key. You know, that, that's the only way. It's through Jesus, period. Right? His 
unmerited love into something that justifies our pride. Uh, some imagine that God loves us because we are so lovable. And think God's love is so great that it extends even to the unlovely, uh, to the children of wrath mentioned in the, in the previous verse. Every reason for God's mercy and love is found in Him. In Him. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Right. Uh, we gave Him no reason to love us, yet in the greatness of His love, His generosity, He loves us with a great love in anyway. Therefore, we must stop trying to make ourselves lovable to God and simply receive His great love while recognizing that we are unworthy of it. This is the great, this is the great secret of the Christian life. The great secret of the Christian life. And we should humbly accept it. We should, and why do you think Christians should be humble? What's the most perverse and crazy thing ever? A proud Christian. It's an oxymoron. And so we cannot, you know, it, it, it is. It's what it is. God has loved us with his great love. This love was so great that he gave his son for us. God placed great love on us by calling us his children. He didn't say, you know, he called us not just for relationship, he called us into his family. We are his family. We are his children. Sons. We are adopted. Sons and daughters. Sons, that's right. Sons and daughters of God. Uh, this love will give us boldness in the day of judgment. Think about that. This love will give us boldness in the day of judgment. And notice the argument continues. He has seated us where has he seated us? In heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This isn't the air. This isn't the realm of the first heaven. This is in the third heaven. This is above this prince of the air. So he's, he's put us above the, the powers of darkness and of the world. And, he, and he's making this uh, in the face of this this, this culture like we have today, only it's in Ephesus with Artemis and all these people around. By the way, there's a lot more going on here too on the Jewish side of things. It's broke. It's broke. I'll explain uh, some of the historical data in this time that, that will give you the feeling of what Paul's up against. What is he trying to unite? He's trying to unite the Jews. I don't want to get ahead of you. You're pretty good. But but there is a point at which we see how far Israel is also uh, gone in disobedience and how, of course, the Gentiles have steeped themselves in sin. All right, I'm going to read verse 5 again and then go to 7. Um, it says, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And 6 it says, and raised us up together uh, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness toward us 
together with, with a Christ, like raised together in faith, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceedingly the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. We were dead in trespasses. This is when God started loving us. He did not wait until we were lovable. He, he, he started loving us when we were dead in our trespasses. And he loved us even when we were dead, providing nothing lovable to him. He loved us anyway. It says God reached out to us when we were dead in sin. God reached out to us when we were without strength. God showed his love to us while we were still sinners. God woke us from the dead, made us crawl out of that coffin. God drew us to Christ. God made us alive together with Christ. God says that we have been risen with Christ. God has renewed us by the Holy Spirit. Alive in Christ means sin no longer uh, rules over us. Sin no longer rules over us. Think about that. Alive in Christ means that we are set free from the fear of death. Uh, made us alive together with Christ. Uh, this is what God did to those who were dead in sin. He shared in our death so that we could share in his resurrection. The old man is crucified and, and the new creation in Jesus uh, with the old things passing away and all things becoming new. That's the first miracle. That lets you know that miracles are still happening. When someone comes to Christ and we accept Christ, this is what happens. We're made new. We're brand new. Old stuff passed away. Crawled out of that coffin for a new person. Uh, we were raised in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Paul is compelled to add here that this is the work of God's grace. In no way involving man's merit. No way involving man's merit. Our salvation, our rescue, our spiritual death is God's work done for the undeserving. Done for the undeserved. We sit together in the heavenly places with Christ. This is the present position of the Christian. We have a new place for living, a new area of existence, a new arena of existence. We are not those who dwell on the earth, as Revelation often calls them, but our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3 20 tells us that. We're ambassadors here. You know, every, every time we have an election, our presidential election, we had a new administration take over. What happened? That new administration that appoints ambassadors to a certain country, and that person represents our country and this administration to those countries uh, that they've been appointed to. God has appointed us ambassadors here on earth to share good news. We're to be ambassadors of Italy. Uh, we don't sit we don't sit in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, or at least not yet. Instead, we sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Since our life and identity is in Christ, as he sits in heavenly places, so do we. And now we sit in heavenly places. We have a right to the kingdom of God. Anticipate this glory. We have a right. We have a birthright to 
oldest fibrin. Well, it become the most important fibrin. And so that's where we're going to sit. Uh, uh, but we need to anticipate this glory and are indescribably happy in the possession of this salvation and in our fellowship with you, Christ. Are you happy? Are you happy that you're going to spend eternity in heaven? Are you happy that, that you're, you have a place on the, next to the throne of God? Not before the throne? Sitting with Jesus. Yeah, maybe. That's where we're going to be. When did he come? Are we going to judge the world? Did he not? Wow. Uh, in the ages to come, he might show that exceedingly, so that in the ages to come, uh, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace. In the future, God will continue to show uh, exceedingly riches of his grace to us. God will never stop dealing with us on the basis of grace. Think about that. He will never stop dealing with us on the basis of grace. By grace you have been saved. By grace you are being saved. By grace you are going to be saved. Once you are saved, guess what? You're saved. Now, 
the piece of it. And Grubman tries to break this down and give you an understanding of an individual prophecy here that, that God speaks to our hearts mm -hmm. and reveals to us who Jesus is. Without that, we are unable to really grasp it. I think we, we can sense that in a, in a way. But see that it's a gift of the Holy Spirit starting there. And it's not the top one of the apostles. Apostles died, but did this gift of this this gift of Peter as an apostle die with him that we no longer get revealed from God who Christ Jesus is. No. No, we all get that. So this 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 piece separates a little bit. Not a Moses prophet type of prophecy, but this is the argument you will hear. You will hear both from um, from MacArthur, mm -hmm. who says they've ceased, and, and you will hear it from the other side, Grubman, who's, by the way, a theologian who wrote a multiple doctrines, who says that it is a subset of prophecy that is still alive, akin to what Peter's revelation was from God himself for us also. That simple and that complex. It's not, it's not an argument to be made. It's, a, it's an understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit, which Grubman, Grubman brings out very nicely in the doctrines of the Holy Spirit. So it begins uh, a difference in explanation on both sides. They enjoy both sides. <laughs> they don't doesn't make one right and the other one wrong. It just simply means kind of understand here how that works with Peter. It has to work for us. There's no there's no new prophecy. It's got to be scripture right. 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 Yeah. It's not some for all the rest of us. Right. It's an individual prophecy. You you told that whole thing of Christ Jesus through yeah. And this whole section that we're talking about it. it, it Individual, the work of individual, or the work of individual reconciliation. And that's the most important part because we can't become a corporate body until we become an individual part of that body. But this, this few verses that we're in right now, five, six, seven, is about the individual reconciliation. And so you're right. Uh, everything that we're talking about in here is for the individual. Yes, it did not stop with Peter coming to the understanding of who Christ is. That, that part of the spirit still working today. How do you think we got that? You know, so, but, it, but as far as prophecy, prophecy, it pretty much started that part out It's done. Um, that's perfect as far as, you know, perfect prophecy or how the going to come and all. Uh, that's done. The only thing we're waiting on is the day. It's sometimes in the Bible, the word prophet, Teacher. Right, exactly. That, 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 that's a separate gift. Right. Uh, yeah. in, in the lineup of gifts right. that is spoken in other places in the Bible, but also proven, brings out 19, I think we brought up 19 different yeah. gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, <coughs> teaching or preaching, mm -hmm. 
is automatically really well. I'm going to operate a, a this. Yeah. Or operate a no. No, no, no. Uh, it's, it's strictly his. He may be sitting on the front of seat I, watching it, but it's his. Yeah, the biggest gift, there's so much controversy about some. Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, some will tell you that some are saved out. Some will tell you that some. But if you read the scripture, it says, these are gifts given by the Holy Spirit at the will of the glorified God. Mm. So, you know, if somebody's speaking in tongues, there should be somebody there in the church. And that's that straight from scripture. Now, with that being said, uh, I don't think that gets deep. But I don't think that's a lot as much as people make it out to be either. Uh, I just don't I just don't think that you can you can call that gift at a moment. I don't, that's just me. Um, and it's not just some incoherent babble. Exactly, and you're exactly right. It, it's not some incoherent babble. Uh, a babble, or, or Babylon, Babylon, not Babylon. Uh, but um, but it, it, it says that language, when it's done, is a language, an ancient language that, of God. <laughs> so we don't have. It'll have a coherent, even though we don't understand it, it will have a coherent cadence to it. And it'll make it'll make some hearing sense, even though we may not hear what it's actually being said. Um, and, and that's just been my experience with it. And an interpreter should yes. always be right. It's, the thing is, let me just say that in, in John MacArthur's case, which he believes is all gifts of the Holy Spirit. And and he may be defining those differently, or cease. And then the Craig Keeners, the Craig Keener is the one who brings up the, the point that there's multiple things going on here that that are gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's quite Pentecostal in his roots, but he is a, a, one of the most prolific writing theologians of our day. And but he's strictly on the Pentecostal side, or on the charismatic side, not making it wrong, but it's just different, but they, they're coming up to speed on, on their set of doctrines, and, and the, the reform, Reformation, the Baptists, the Methodists, all those have had their time to bring up uh, the scriptures out as to their doctrines, so it, it's we should enjoy that. We should embrace that. See the difference and understand it for ourselves. And personally, let God lead us. The Holy Spirit instill in us what what those meanings are. That interpretation is something we should enjoy, not not battle out as an argument, because that's the way the devil works. But the point is, Craig Keener has brought this to life for me here that I gave you. Uh, and what that is, is just a point of, and he's pointing out Grubman as a subset of prophecy. Uh, and you're right, not, not a ideal prophecy for the world. Uh, uh, that's pretty much a, cessa a, a cessation of that kind of prophecy for today. We have the scriptures instead. Yes. Right. 
also listening.
nor this alone. For as I take it, he looked to the perpetually, uh, to perpetuality of the gospel. Uh, not only through the ages, uh, which we could already, which could have already eclipsed by the first advent, uh, but our blessed Lord has called us through the ages to the future. Remember now we've been talking about the past. We talked about the present, and now we're talking about the future. You know, the seemingly riches of his grace is so that that with God's grace, he has much more grace as we could want. We, we can't experience all the grace. You know, we talk about, you know, God is exceedingly wonderful when he forgives our sins with mercy. His grace is, is far exceeding the mercy. His grace. Every morning he wakes up by his grace. Every day the things we experience by his grace. We get up in the morning, we start the day by his grace. We look outside from his creation by his grace. Blackberries. Blackberries, yeah, blackberries. Blackberries, grace. By his grace. I mean, his song made me amazed this, this year. He takes care of us. Uh, we have food on the table too much in this country, maybe. Listen to this. What a blessing. Spurgeon wrote this. It says, When all the saints shall be gathered home, they shall still talk and speak of the wonders of Jehovah's love in Christ Jesus. And in the golden street, they shall stand up and tell what the Lord has done for them to listening crowds of angels and principality and Are we doing that today? Are we telling people about the grace that we've received from God at this point? Think about it. Everything that happened in our lives, even though some of them might be tragic, was for God's glory. It's not about us. You know, you see on his car running around, he is greater than us. It's about him. Everything is about him, not us. You know, I'm just a little small and insignificant speck in this great big thing, and he called us to his love. He shined his life on us, called us to a relationship with him. He didn't, he didn't save us from something. We use the word term saved. Yes, we were bad, and yes, somebody saved us with a life raft and whatever, preached the gospel. But he, rather, he called us to a relationship. So and we know him. Right. And he knows us. That's right. And how do we know him? He knows us before we knew him. Yeah. He knew us when he was hanging on the cross. He felt the sin. Yeah. 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 You know, what he said, he, he, you know, that's how he knew us. He said, I formed you. I knew you and before you were formed in the room, before the foundation of the world. He knew us. That bottles the human mind. It causes a lot of people to go crazy trying to figure out, trying to understand that. The exceedingly riches of his grace. So it is with grace that of God. He has as much grace as you want, and he has a great deal more than that. The Lord has as much grace as the whole universe will require. All the grace. That everything in his creation requires, he has that more. Uh, all the demands that can ever be 
meditate on the grace of God will never impoverish God. Will never impoverish him. Or even diminish his store of mercy. There will remain an incalculable amount of grace and mercy. That's so actually the first beginning of what the Son of Man. The grace that he bestowed upon Adam and Eve, he's never ran out of any of that. Come down to the ages and think about the grace that he that he bestowed all through the ages until today. One way to see the greatness of the grace of God is to see how he begs men to receive it. When we offer a gift to someone and they refuse it, we're likely to allow them to refuse and leave them alone. God does not do this with us. Even when we refuse his mercy, he reaches into his storehouse of grace and persistence, begging us, begging us to receive the free gift. Remember we talked about all this as being a free gift. And people are turning away from it. They won't accept the free gift. They won't accept eternity. They won't accept immortality. Because they're blinded by the guy we talked about in the beginning. We will want stories of wrath. Any questions, any comments? We're going to talk about that. When you talk about grace and mercy, but another word comes to my mind is his love for us. Yeah. I mean, unconditional love. Yeah, right. And you know, think about this. And I have preached it a few times when I was preaching. And I know, I know none of you have ever experienced this in your, in your relationship with your spouse. Make your spouse mad. Do something. Make them mad. You get over it. Four or five months down the road, you have another argument. Boom, here comes that spike from four months ago. You know, God says that he will not remember our sins, and he has forgotten them as far as the east is from the west. You're going to stand up there forgiven, and he's not going to throw your sins in your face. Isn't that amazing? It's a God love. The Leo love and Eros, and there's about three or four other ones in Greek that have uh, changes in the nuance of its, its meaning. But, um, we only have that one word love, and sometimes it gets lost yeah. in, in what that means. Um, there's another word in the Hebrew that I like better. You pull out Ruth, you'll see it all over Ruth. It's called Hesed. H-E-S-E-D. Hesed is, is loving kindness. In fact, they put another adjective on the front of that. What is it, Anne? Uh, it's, uh, it's an amplification of loving kindness. So you remember Naomi and Ruth. Uh, Hesed and Boaz, 
Hesed is used there multiple times. And what, what it is, is the loving kindness both of God and of Naomi, Ruth and Ruth and Naomi and, and Boaz in an upstanding way for Ruth. Um, Hesed, and, and it's the, the uh, an eternal loving kindness. It's an almighty loving kindness. I forget what the adjective was, but it is an amazing word, and it's missed because we don't have that uh, different type of love. But it's called the set, and um, Ruth is amazing. Any question? Any comment? Anything else? This whole section from verse one to ten. And he's telling you what you were before. Mm -hmm. And not all the same, he says, but God. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then it follows what he's done. Right, that means. But God, I think that's yeah. simple. Yeah. That's right. It's right in the middle of all those verses. Mm -hmm. Paul uses three verbs in that, too, just to throw those out there. That to chew on, uh, one is boast. One is work, and one is enmity. Enmity, I can't hardly say that. It, it, uh, mean, it means enemy. Mm -hmm. and, and so Christ has now created a new humanity, reconciling the two divided components, the Jews and the Gentiles, into a new creation, and it is this work of Christ. That, that Paul is trying to get across in the middle of chaos in Ephesus. There is no better word than, than all of the, um, I'll stop here shortly. There's God, the monotheistic God, and there's all the 50 gods. There's the Jews, and there's the Gentiles, and then there's Paul and Christ. And they're trying to say, hey, Hello. Hello. Uh, pull it together, guys. This, your battle isn't with each other. It's with those guys out there. Take a look around Ephesus. And uh, the Jews are broke. The Gentiles are broke. Paul gets it. And he's trying to convey it. And he's in prison. Is it going to end? Are they going to get Christianity off the the, the block, so to speak, for their own race? We're here today to prove Yeah, we know it happened. Any other comments? Questions? Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Most of us, Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to uh, discuss it, that we're able to meditate on it, that we're able to glean knowledge from it. Helps us understand you. Helps us understand our place with you. And helps us to understand how humble we should all be. Lord, by your grace, we have been saved through faith in that. None of us, none of us should boast in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Oh, who can it get? You know, it, it, it really is. Matthew.